Well, here we go. We have got season one completed, and we are ready to rock and roll with season number two. You know where the door is. Come on in. Have a seat like always. It's, it's, it's just us. It's just us. Uh, we had a great first season. We had a little break. Look, everybody needs a vacation, okay? Everybody needs some downtime. We were on vacation. You were on vacation. Now we're all back ready to roll, okay? Sit down, get you something to drink, get you something to eat. And look, we can't get this thing rolling. We can't get this show moving forward till we get everybody in here and ready to roll. We got to get the co-pilot in here. My buddy, my friend, the hardworking, pole climbing, blue collar, Mr. Gregory Burgess. That's right. I'm back. Season two. Who thought I would make it? I figured after the first or maybe even the second episode, the guys would yank me from the podcast. But guess what? They left me alone. I've even heard them mention it on the air a couple of times. We're back for season two. 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 Just like Mr. Ross number two. Up. Two. 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 Now get two. them up. That's it. Get them up. Two. And man, so we we're starting it. out with a good one, too. Had to have a heavy hitter. Heavy hitter right off the bat. And this guy, oh my gosh, Greg. What can we say about this guy that, that probably hasn't been said yet? First of all, he probably knows, if, you, if you're talking about it, kind of what this podcast is based on, the behind-the-scenes inner workings of what became the Rick and Bubba show, this guy has more information about how it started than probably – and we've had some really people who could, who could pull the curtain back, but I think this guy brings more to the table than anybody we've talked to. Oh, he's got so much behind-the-scenes information. He's had so many stories – You've heard him on the show so many times. Uh, look, look, we, we, we've made him wait long enough. Let's get the guy in here. Let's get him off the air and get his untold Rick and Bubba experience. JT, come on. Guys, I'm so glad to be here with you. It's been a while. And last time I checked, I think, yeah, Ryan, you owe lunch next go around. So it could be on me. That is very possible. It could be. It's been that long. Uh, we JT, know it, we're, we are fired up. We keep getting people. Y'all got to have JT. You got to have, but your heart got to find. We finally pulled it off. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. The, look, the, the, the DMS, all the messages, the emails were coming in. When are you going to have JT? When are you going to have JT? We finally have, have, we have, we have cornered him up and we have finally got him in the building. So we got well, JT. I'm honored to be back with both you guys. Well, it's good to see you, man. Your hair is is is, is good as ever. Like <laughs> I wish like that was it. on video because, man, when you got hair like that, him and him and my brother, they got the best hair. I got terrible. They I don't do. know what happened. Wait, 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 wait. So this is this isn't a video podcast. This is just audio. At the moment, at the moment, it's just audio. Okay, it's, I got you. So we're, well, we're, we're we're looking at each other just for disclosure. You all are looking at each other and me, and so we can kind of see and talk to each other. Like you know, we hadn't seen each other in a long time, so. Yeah, um, I've, I've I've turned a lot more gray than I was before. Yeah, we all have. But it's but you still got a lot of good hair hair to go there, JT. It's still got a, it still looks good though. Well, I want the, the nice glasses you got. God, man, you, you still got it going on, JT. Well, I, I do have I do have a little bit more hair than you and Greg. Yeah, so you I do a lot more. You than do. Me. And your shirts, your shirt is definitely more in button than Greg and I's. So and that's fine. Wow. You, yeah. You you got it to show. You know what I mean? If you got it, show it. So. I, 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 <laughs> I got rid of the gold chain for this. Oh boy, the old gold chain. Uh, uh, so look, t- t- there's people. So how y'all listening. been? Look, we're good. There's people probably listening now. We we're gonna go back, okay, to to, to some old school as always, Rick and Bubba. Uh, if you don't know, uh, it's it's JT. You if if you've ever, you don't you don't even have to have been in the Birmingham market. He does voice tracking in various markets around the country. You may have heard his voice there. 
so other he's JT Jeff Tyson uh, that he was known when the guy and I, if if I'm correct JT you were the program director when you first got connected or was introduced to Rick and Bubba. Am I right with that? Were you the program right, director? Right, right. Uh, Judy and I had moved to Birmingham in 1995, and uh, a guy that, uh, you know, Rick and Bubba knew and I had known for a long time, uh, a guy named Monty Ballard. And I knew Monty back in 1982 when Magic 96 signed on in Birmingham, uh, which I currently work at and do afternoons and also the morning show on 105.5 WERC and News Talk and Voice Track, as you mentioned, for I Heard Around the Country. But when I came back to Birmingham in 95, Monty Ballard called me and he said, hey, welcome back to town. I'm glad you're back. I mean, I missed you, but I, I want to talk to you about uh, the morning show for your radio station that you're going to be programming, which was Mix 94.5 at the time. And currently now it's the new jocks yep. as we know it. Yeah. So uh, I said, all right, who are you, who are you talking about? He said, these guys up in Gadsden, Rick and Bubba. And I said, uh, well, I, look, I'm, I'm all about it. I've, I've heard of them, of, you know, sure. But uh, I've got a morning show. I just, I've been in the building a week, Monty. So uh, I probably ought to work with my, my current morning show and see how it's going. But I'm always open to talking to somebody. You know, sure, yeah, put us together. So, you know, next thing you know, Rick and Bubba are coming in to the station to, to meet with me. And uh, they brought their air checks, you know, the audio recording of their show. And they brought videotapes of them out and about doing appearances uh, for radio events. And I'm telling you, it's probably one of the best interviews I've ever, you know, been a part of with guys in radio, as far as them presenting and selling me on why they should be on my radio station in Birmingham instead of, you know, up there in Gadsden. So I said, look, I love it. I mean, they were hilarious, you know, as they are uh, the first time I got to meet them in person. So, yeah, I I, uh, I immediately called uh, my boss and uh, he said, well, let's run it by the consultant because he's, you know, got to be a part of everything we do here. Yeah. Bill Moyes was the consultant. Okay. At the time. Okay. I bet, I bet and, he was horrified. Oh, well, let me tell you something. Bill Moyes is a very, very smart radio guy. And Dick Broadcasting owned the station at the time. And him and Alan Dick are good buddies and probably still are. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the VP of programming said, well, let's let's get Bill and, and talk about it and see what's going on here. So long story short, Bill says, look, uh, Jeff, you've been in, in town back in Birmingham for, I mean, less than a month. Let's let's give the current morning show some time to develop and work with them. I think we might be onto something before we bring these guys in from Gadsden. So that was the end of that. I said, okay, fine. Um, dang it. You know? Yeah. So, but that taught me right there at the beginning of this as a program director, sometimes you're allowed to do what you want with the programming of the radio station. And sometimes you got to run things by the bosses, which, you know, that's the way it is. So I had to stick with what I currently had. Well, fast forward about, Oh, I'm going to say a year later, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have the big dick broadcasting meetings over in Atlanta, and there was probably four or five other radio stations that were talking about with Bill Moyes, the consultant for Alan Dick on all of his stations. Yeah. So we're going, you know, going through uh, what not Rock 99 and there was some a Greensboro station or two that they owned. That we, were, we were all all the stations Dick Broadcasting had were in, in the room together. So we went around and probably got to five different stations and it came to my station. And me and Davis Hawkins, you all remember Davis. Yeah, yes. I know Davis. Yes. Great guy. Great guy. So we're sitting there and uh, 
comes up and uh, they go over what's going on, how the ratings look, how the personalities are doing, how the sales numbers look, you know, just kind of an assessment as a, a state of the state, if you will, on the station. And the ratings on the morning show were dismal. So um, no, who, who was doing the morning show at that time? A guy named Jack Boston, Jack Boston. Okay. And, and, uh, John bird was also part of that show. Oh, he was no. a very talented, very talented production guy. Oh yeah. He does a, a lot of our bird works. Yeah. yeah. Bird works. Yeah. Bird works. Yeah. yeah. He does a lot of good stuff. And, and, yeah, and Jack Boston, stuff. nice guy too, but you know, it wasn't clicking. And I was, I was super fired up still about Rick and Bubba. So Bill Moyes is leading all of this. And, uh, he says, I'll tell you what we what we need to do. We ought to really start thinking about trying to hire Rick and Bubba. And the room was dead some. I, <laughs> I looked at Davis Hawkins and I said, are you, are you kidding me here? I brought this up you know, about a year ago. Nobody, nobody wants to take credit room. for it. Well, I said, and Davis just kind of looked at me and said, Shh, all right, just easy, easy. <laughs> I said, all right, fine, let's just keep moving here. So anyway, we ended up making the offer to, to Rick and Bubba. Uh, and I, you know, let's just call it their price tag had gone up in a year. All right. So we wrapped that up in Atlanta with the company meetings. And that's one of the action plans is to uh, approach Rick and Bubba about coming to work for our station and do morning. So then we end up making the offer, Davis. Gets a hold of their attorney, David Marsh, who's a, a great guy, good, good, good attorney here. <laughs> and um, so he was representing, I think, uh, Rick, because they had kids that played Little League ball together or something. Yeah, pretty much it. So, so um, the meeting's called to David's, uh, to David Marsh's office and uh, his conference room. Well, real nice mahogany. Anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> it, oh, he, think uh, of a movie conference room office. Just a good uh, night I mean, room in the best we are. Scene there, and there it is. So we're we're in the meeting, and and uh, Rick and Bubba had been trying to get with the, the the current company they were with, and a guy named Bill Thomas was running running that, and they kept going saying, "Look, our contract's about up. We'd like to." Uh, you know, work something out or what are we going to do? And, and Bill kind of, you know, delayed it. I guess if he had uh, some some reason for delaying it from his company people or whatever, but he didn't he didn't get to the contract quick enough and the bell rang and it expired. So now Rick and Bubba are free agents. And here we go. You know, so we're sitting in the conference room and the phone keeps ringing. It's Bill Thomas going, don't sign anything. Don't <laughs> sign anything. <laughs> we're going to work it out. Right. So uh yeah, David slides us over a little one sheet of everything that's needed in the contract for Rick and Bubba. So, we're, I mean, there's about 14 items on the list. I'm like, my gosh, what is this, Ryan Seacrest? I mean, I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at this list here, about down there, about, uh, oh, item number four, the salary. I'm like, two, 250 grand a piece. I'm like, what? And I looked at Davis. <laughs> And I got the same response from Davis that I got when Bill Moyes announced we're going to go after him. He said, hey, hey, keep it down. Easy, easy. Let's keep moving. So uh, that was where we'll come back magic. to that. <laughs> it all came together there and uh, we cut the deal and uh, we were off and running. It was it was one of the craziest, most fun meetings uh, that, that got us all together. That started so many things in my life with Rick and Bubba, not only the radio, but, yeah. uh, you know, and being part of the show. And, you know, Rick introduced me to, you know, hunting and, and, and that's where that began and my love for that. And, 
I in turn got to, you know, introduce my son to it. I mean, there, there was a lot that started with the relationship with Rick and Bubba. Uh, Rick was on the board of directors with me for an organization called Youth for Christ when I was the executive director of that for about six years. Uh, Rick was instrumental in my walk with Jesus Christ. I mean, Rick uh, has helped me out in a lot of different ways uh, over the years and uh, been there. And, and I'm, I'm, I can't say enough good things about, you know, what Rick has done, not only as, you know, a radio fun guy to be around, but also, uh, you know, kind of a solid, you know, accountability brother, if you will, and yeah, also right. a, a friend that you can count on, you know, no matter what's going on. So that, that was the beginning of it. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about it and your relationship, it came in professional, but then, cause you've had people in this business as long as they've been doing it, they come and go, but you're like family to them. You know, you're part of the gang and I came into the picture. We were playing softball together and Ryan was on it. I remember, I think that's the first time I met you which led to hunting trips, which led to just funny stuff, man. We just had, like I said, kids right. all growing right. up, you know, they were all little then now they're all grown and we yeah. got to see all that together. Now we were talking about this earlier. Did you, did, I know you got injured at one of the softball games. Did, you, did they call an ambulance to come and get you? I can't remember. Or were they exaggerating <laughs> when they threw the ambulance? Nah. In? Well, there were two softball games that I remember and I, we'll talk about that one first. And then we're going to talk about one. that was actually the first softball game. Uh, that involves school closing Tony. Yes. Uh, God yeah, rest his soul. Yeah. 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 Great game. And Super <laughs> so, yeah. But the game you're talking about was a, uh, was a softball game. And my gosh, th- some of those softball games, when we got to some of the outlying areas and, and play for charity for, you know, the areas, charities or their school band or, you know, programs. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. there would be thousands of people that show up for these <laughs> yeah. things. And I was just unbelievably amazed at the pull that Rick and Bubba had. And uh, it, was, the, it, was it was it was incredible. So anyway, we're back in Hoover one time at the Hoover Met. And uh, we're playing. I don't know. I forget who we're playing. So uh, it's a real nice field, obviously, for a Rick and Bubba softball game. So yeah. we're out there playing and. Uh, I'm coming around third base <laughs> after somebody hit the ball out into the outfield and I'm booking it for home plate. And, uh, the pitch or the ball comes flying in from somebody and it, it, and I'm trying to beat it to the plate and the ball gets here just about the same time as I'm coming across the plate. So I try to do a loop de loop and bend my body around the catchers trying to tag me out. <laughs> and as I do, as I do that, He's acting like he's a linebacker for the Steelers, you know, and, <laughs> and he literally takes that soft, that, that pit, the catcher's glove with the ball in it and buries his shoulder up into my uh, left rib cage to yeah, tag me out. So I, I literally left the ground in midair. It was a good and, collision. Oh, it and, was. And, and came down. Now, the good news is, my left foot had already touched the plate and I was safe. So the well, run count, you go. the bad news is the I, I couldn't get up. I couldn't get up. So <laughs> <Couldn't> breathe. <laughs> fi- finally, finally, uh, I worked my way to the dugout and Speedy comes over. He says, you all right? I said, I can't breathe, man. I, I, something's going on. Something, something serious is going on. He goes, well, you need to go to the doctor. Or something. I said, I'm, I'm not even sure. I can you make know that. what he was doing. You know, oh, he was he's talking, talking you into it. Oh, uh-huh. ramping me up, you know? Yeah. And so I said, I don't, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to call an ambulance because I don't know if I'm, 
I mean, if they're if, if I have if I have cracked the rib and it's sliced of a, a, a blood vessel or, or an artery, what if I I mean I need to have medical a treatment now in case so this is where Jake's something mind goes. You know. So um they and, I, and I, I think Rick or Bill too are also started insinuating, hey JT, I hope it didn't puncture you long. Oh yeah, they they were piling on because JT's a little bit of a hypochondriac at times, you know. He has some bad luck. He has some bad luck. Look, uh, and the guys so, they, they they never let him live it down when there's an opportunity to just suggest that maybe all the maybe worst case scenarios. Let's just say Well that. listen, a lot a lot of times I'm right. So let's <laughs> give me some credit here. So the so the ambulance say for shows, sorry. So, so the ambulance shows up, right? <laughs> so I get in the ambulance and, and and at this point Judy was up in the stands. She wasn't really aware of what was going on until somebody said, "Hey, uh, JT's out there in the parking lot. The ambulance just got him. She's like, what? <laughs> well, what's going on? I saw the hit. It wasn't that bad. And uh, <laughs> so she follows okay. the ambulance to the hospital. And uh, so I get there and they and they take an x-ray. And uh, you know how when you do an x-ray, it's like, okay, take a deep breath and hold it. Until oh. check, hold your breath. Click. Took the x-ray. And then it comes back normal. Now I said to the technician, I said, "Listen, maybe we need, maybe we need to do another one where I exhale and you take it because if I'm exhaling, maybe the rib came back together and looked normal, but when I exhale, it's, it'll uh, show the break." Oh my god! So you were you were covering you were all scenarios, me. right? Yeah, you're yeah. trying to cover all scenarios of, of what could impact this rib that's broke. She said, "Honey, if your rib was broken, we'd see it. It's not broken. You're okay." He was telling you might, how, to, how to do it. Well, well, let me tell you what happened. Fast forward now, I go and I get some pulmonary work done for another physical at some point, and the pulmonologist says, hey, your phrenic nerve is paralyzed on your left side. The phrenic nerve is what, you know, when you take a deep breath, it moves your diaphragm up, okay. right? So if your phrenic nerve is paralyzed on the left lung and it just sits there, you take a deep breath, just your right oh, okay. diaphragm is going up. So I did have permanent damage. I don't know if there's a So that's from that leg? You think that's well, they, they look, the guy said, did you ever have a traumatic accident? Okay. There you and go. I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I don't know what the statute of limitations on lawsuit is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling one of them lawyers. <laughs> Get you one of them TV lawyers. Get David Marsh for me. Would you? The other softball game. Do you remember that? With I remember Tony the school, ambulance. School closing Tony. Now, where were we at? Do you remember where we were? We, Ryan, were you at this one? I don't know, but. Uh, we were way out in the country somewhere. So, and, and, uh, we, I get to the thing and this was, I think the first softball game I attended, you know, Rick had said, Hey, you, you want to play softball with us? I said, yeah, I played a little ball. I love to play athletic. Yeah, sure. So, um, we get out there and, uh, being the new guy, you know, I'm not in the, in the starting lineup, you know, we'll get to you. Gotta so I'm in the, I'm in the dugout and school closing Tony is he's like starting and the guy probably weighs, I mean, 90 pounds. So, um, he's in the starting lineup. Well, I mean, not the most athletic looking guy. No, probably not. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. So they, um, they probably hadn't seen you a lot at that point though. That they didn't know exactly what, what you could bring to the table. I know you, right, well, told for, them, you know, you're, in you're fairness, right, they, they, they didn't know maybe exactly what you were bringing to the plate, so to speak. You're you're right. And I just said, uh, OK, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be nice. It's my first game. I'm not going to get, you know, but then we get to the third inning. I'm still not playing. 
I do remember this now, JT, because I remember each time so, we'd come over, you would you had some, you just you kept asking people, hey, like why they're not putting me in, like. So, so Rick says, look, all right, you're you're going in, all right. So right. at this at this you're going next inning. So at this point, I'm like, all right, cool. So I'm in the dugout and and we're at bat. So school closed and Tony comes to the plate to hit. So he hits the ball and it goes, I think, right over second base. So it's it's a single, right? Yeah. So he he runs down. Well, I should say jogs down the first <laughs> yeah, base. Yeah. And he's struggling to get the first. Yeah. So uh, then so, then he gets a pinch runner out there to run for him, and he comes back and he's really winded. I thought, oh, maybe maybe he's a little sick today or something. So we get back to the studio the next day and we're recapping the game. So Rick says, uh, "Well, what'd you think first uh, first game you went to, JT?" I said, "I'll tell you what." Uh, it was a good time. I couldn't believe the amount of people were there. And, uh, but I, I was just a little curious as to, you know, why school closing Tony played three innings before I got a shot. I mean, the guy, I mean, he, he's not really athletic and, uh, you know, I mean, oh, he no. runs down to first, we get a pinch runner for him. What, what's going on? Oh, and no. he comes back by the dugout and he's leaning up against the chain link fence there by the dugout, just huffing and puffing. And I said oh, no. on the air in front of everybody, you think this guy only had one lung or something <laughs> and the room just everybody stops what they're doing every head turns looking at me like what did you just say and rick's going all right we'll be right back in the rick and bubba you know bed starts playing and you know they go to commercial and they're like jt what what why did you say that i said what's the matter please don't tell me there's something wrong he says yeah he's got cystic fibrosis and I'm like, oh my God, my knee, my knee. Now look, my niece, my niece, Sheena, my niece, yeah. Sheena had cystic fibrosis. I'm I real familiar that. with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, how horrible did you feel? Oh. oh, it was awful. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Oh my God. I am so sorry. And, and, and I'm just, I'm like, I, I got to leave the room. I, you know, I got to get out of here. This is awful. Well, we go through the commercial break and we're coming back and, and Rick's going, uh, Hey, we're sitting here talking with JT about the game last night. And uh, we were talking about how school closed in Tony. He didn't think he's really athletic. So, uh, <laughs> JT, guess who's on the phone wants to talk to you? School closing Tony? Good morning. <laughs> they, they dialed him up. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, I am so sorry. Now that you know what the coolest thing about this is? He has such a great sense of humor. Yes. And, yeah. and let yeah, me does. off the hook. He let me off the hook. And laughed about it and said, "JT, don't you worry about that." And uh, but I mean, Rick and Bubba would not let oh. it go. I mean, oh, you just, think you think those two? You think uh, you're right? Tony had the greatest attitude ever. Oh, you the know. best. If it had been anybody else, you know, he'd have probably hammered and you. And God, God rest his soul, he was a funny guy. And oh, a yeah, great guy. guy. Oh, and yeah. uh, you know, once I, again, I, I, I'd never heard that story, JT. I'm sorry, I missed that. <laughs> That's got to be. A, it's got to be in a best of somewhere. Unless oh, Speedy hit it, hit it away somewhere, trying to protect mm. JT. Maybe. Yeah, not, 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 not good. No, no. And and so I have to ask when the guys first got there, and because you, I mean, you, you, you grew up. I'm guessing you probably always wanted to be in radio. I mean, you got the pipes. Well, I mean, actually, when I first started getting out of school and you know jumping into college. Um, there was a little bit of interest in radio and, uh, but I wanted to be a dentist, a dentist. Den <laughs> the dentist, the dentist that I went to as a kid was always in a great mood. And every time you go in there, 
he'd be singing, walking up and down the halls to different patients. I mean, everybody loves somebody <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, Jolly Dennis. He said, that's what I want to do right there. Right Man, there. That's, what, that's me. I, I want to be guy, Jolly every day. He's having a blast. So <laughs> anyway, I get to college, a place up in Pennsylvania, Clarion University, and a bunch of guys in my dorm were radio and TV majors. So he said, uh, why don't you come up to the station with us this afternoon and, you know, just hang out with us a little bit. And I was already enrolled in like biology and chemistry and physics trying to work my head and trying to go into that dental area. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I get up to the studios and uh, I'm watching these guys on the air and there was a TV studio campus, you know, TV and radio stations right there. And uh, I said, man, this looks like fun. So I, I got a spot. We probably had 25 disc jockeys on staff. So you get, you get an hour, like <laughs> yeah. every, get out yeah. every other day, come on in and, you know, play your favorite 12 songs and we'll get, go on to class and, you know, <laughs> Steve's up next. I'll see you next. tomorrow. You know, <laughs> so um, that's where it started. I changed my major from uh, physics to, you know, speech class. And, you know, that was a lot easier. Off and running. So there we go. Off and, running. and, and then you awesome. ended up in, in radio, obviously. And, yeah. and you came from kind of the old school radio of, of, of radio by the books. You know what I mean? Like this is, you were taught radio. This is how radio works. And then you moved well, to eventually a program director role where, you know, this is, this is how we do radio. I got into radio for, for one reason. And that was because I loved watching these top 40 disc jockeys from the seventies who were just boogieing and rocking and rolling and just 13 QWKQ oh, yeah. Pittsburgh, you know, just, loud having a good time and uh, my first job in radio was at a station in pittsburgh at 13q and i drove the promotion band it had a big oh logo painted on it and oh my uh, gosh it, it was yeah. it was called the 13q happy honker and we drive that thing around <laughs> hand out t-shirts and it uh, sounds fun happy, happy honker, happy oh, honker t-shirts it was it was a ball so that's yeah then i got in and it started bouncing around the country and uh ended up in birmingham in 1980 so wow. you're you're there, and these guys get there, and they're very um, they're definitely not cookie cutter by the radio, and 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 you and you you probably got to see that some even before they 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 got to the station, yeah. Then they get there, and you then then it's 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 real life. Now you're really dealing with two guys that really are unconventional in terms of of radio, and and by then you're you're kind of in radio goob mode. You know, uh, and I mean that in a, in a, in, I mean that in a positive way. <laughs> Say what? Yeah. Uh, so, how was it there? And you and I'm. It was Carrie was operations manager, I think, at the time. How did you start to 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 get an idea? How do I get a handle on these guys because they were well, so conventional and so not by the books? And there's things you had to do that you kind of had to be by the books, so to speak. So, how did you start to wrangle them in? And, and that whole process of dealing with two guys that are, that are not radio. Well, going back to the contract with David Marsh, and there was about 14 items on that list. And one of the items was, we do not answer to the local program director. We don't do air. We don't do air check sessions and sit down and have them critique the show. That's, that's clearly in the contract. So I kind of had a pass and uh, you know, they'd get away with some stuff and do some things on the air. And 
you know, every once in a while, Carrie or Davis or whoever, you know, would, would say, well, yeah, you, you, you got to talk to him about that. I said, not item number four in the contract. No, I don't need to talk <laughs> so you to had him. your out. You had your oh, out. Oh, I had my out. And you know, so, when they made that list, they didn't think they were going to get all that, you know, and, and, and some of the stuff they put in, but I mean, you might as well ask and you may get it. You know? And they got it. They yeah, did. Absolutely. So, you know, that was, that was the cool part about it. So once that, that stress off you of trying to manage them back into quote unquote, a morning radio show, as opposed to letting them do what they do, which was just, you know, it's their, their phenoms, you know, so let them go, let them do their thing. And, uh, I was off the hook having to coach them or train them because they weren't going to have it. They weren't going to hear it. Yeah. So I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to hang out and watch these guys. So I started coming around the studio with them and sitting in over in the corner and just watching. And, you know, next thing you know, they're bringing me up to the microphone like they do everybody in the room. Yeah. Exactly. And, and it turns into some great moments. I mean, like I say, I think it just all fell into place. You and, and you know, your personality and you could relate to each other. I think if anybody else was in that position, it might've been a little more friction, but you were perfect for what they were doing. <laughs> well, I, like I said, it was a, a great relationship from day one, you know, and, and we laughed about how that first meeting of a year before they actually got hired took place and they came in and, you know, they were over on Highland Avenue where the studios were at the time with their videotapes of their performances and air checks. And, you know, I was they knew I was on fire for them and got shut down by, you know, the consultants and the and the, yeah. the, guru, the gurus. And uh, so right out of the gate, when they came on board, they knew that, hey, this program director has already tried to get us. So we know you believed in them. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So that was good. It was a, it was a great start. And I'm telling you what. That show has evolved over the years, obviously, but some of the best times were in the early years of those guys, you know, when I get they to play in, I get to play in the best of when they're off and they'll take off, but, and, <laughs> and you're right. I get they to, learned I from Johnny Carson. I'll, oh yeah. I'll go way back and pull some of the stuff and, and I get, I'll be in the studio just laughing as hard as I can. And, by, and I've heard it over and over and it's still funny, you know? <laughs> well, the, uh, I still play the one when you bought that, uh, them car seats that somebody had been killed in a car wreck on. You remember oh that one? We gosh. still play that one. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a doozy. And, and, uh, yeah, Michael became a part of that by spooking Judy. She, he started using the fob and making the car horn go off and lock the doors. And Judy thought it was the spirit from the person that died in the car accident. Oh, <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, when Rick would get on me about wearing that, uh, that, that old faded blue green golf shirt that looked like it probably, you know, was, he said, Hey, does Michael know you got that out of his closet? <laughs> I think he was in seventh grade at the time. So yeah. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. Getting in the light post, knocking that over with. A oh yeah. Out. That was a classic. And, uh, yeah, remember, we, we've had some, some good times, but there's the been beer. some things, you know, that have happened that don't make those CDs that are just as good. Some of them we talked, we touched on the hunting a little bit. Some of our greatest memories are there at the time you, you had the deer in the back of your car and you realized it was leaking out and you, you know, and one of the greatest things I got to get your perspective <laughs> on, on these hunting trips is you got to go hunt with my dad. Uh, and, um, what we were on one in, uh, you and him, they paired y'all up in the same area. And, oh, hunting with my dad is an experience. I don't know how much of that you actually know, and I'm not sure all of this is going to make the edit. <laughs> well, um, we always get it out. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, the uh, and, and I share this with Rick, but I'm not oh, no. sure he shared this with anybody else or you know this. But uh, oh. all right, so here's how it went that morning. 
your your dad uh, had had some heart surgery. Yes, he, I'm, I'm talking he, about very recent. Yeah, during so, that time. Right. So um, Rick says, "Listen, my dad he loves hunting. He wants to go out anyway. He can't pull the trigger because the yes. recoil on the rifle will strain his stitches in the middle of his chest, right. and it's too early for him to be shooting a deer rifle." So. Would you mind if he sat with you in the deer stand? I said, absolutely not. That'd be great. Oh boy! So, uh, so we get out there and uh, <clears throat> it's early, and uh, all of a sudden, it's still dark. Your your dad has to use the bathroom. Oh yeah. So he takes the two liter Mountain Dew bottle that was empty. <laughs> now I'm realizing why he brought it. <laughs> he, he, he's not getting out of the stands. You didn't know about stuff like that yet, you know. No, I was I was green. This was my first year of hunting, I think. <laughs> so I mean, this was out at Glenn Winfrey's place. Yeah. So we're sitting in that stand, and uh, he he reaches down there and pulls his two liter Mountain Dew bottle out, and twists the cap off. Yeah. Next thing you know, he's he's you know taking a leak in the bottle. Sure. And uh, I didn't, you know, I I might have glanced over there too long. <laughs> but um <laughs> not very modest i'll be honest should, should we just leave it at that or yes I mean, yes okay, listen. Okay. Uh, and i'm like hey you oh, can't oh, mess okay, it. wow and he he caught my eyes glancing as i'm trying to look away he goes hey i'm, I'm just i'm just going I'm just, this ain't gonna take a minute I'm, you know but i'm not getting out of the stand i don't want to ruin our area by you know uh, peeing out out on the ground so you know it's it's what we do. I said, okay, no, that's fine, coach. That's fine. That's fine. And, uh, that was, so, that was so awkward. Cause when, when, when a guy catches you glancing, when you shouldn't be glancing, you can't stare him down. Come on now. No, no, it was less than, uh, you know, that's two minutes. You just happened to I mean, two out. seconds, less than two seconds, two minutes. <laughs> so, uh, so fast forward, he, he he puts the cap on the bottle cap, and you know we're ready to wait and watch the deer come out. So you're right, Greg. It was it was just still a little dark, so they hadn't started moving yet. <laughs> so I I, I kind of leaned back in the corner of the shooting house, and, and we're tight. I mean we're we're elbow to elbow sitting in. This. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I just kind of I kind of nod off a little bit, you know. Uh -oh. uh, you know, look. Y'all know some of the best naps are in the shooting house. Yes. Yes. Can't help, so, it's kind of can't help it. Yes. So I'm nodding off. And then I get this elbow from your dad in my side. He says, Hey, you want to shoot this 10 point? Or are we just going to let him walk? <laughs> and I, and I'm like, what? I look up and there's this 10 point. I'm not kidding you. Probably 75 yards out in front of us. Now it's, now it's daylight. And I'm like, okay, so I'm getting my gun ready. I get it up. I shoot the deer. And he drops, didn't take a step. Wow. And, and coach is like, man, you, you, you nailed it. So uh, we get on the walkie talkie and we call Lynn. He's getting the four wheeler and all right, we'll be out there in a minute. Just sit tight. You know? Just, so coach goes, well, you want to walk up and go take a look at him? I said, yeah, let's go see. So, you know, that took about five minutes. Lynn went, Lynn, though, get my gun, you know, unloaded and yeah. starting to starting to move out of the shooting house. Well, as we're moving to go out there and see him, that deer gets up and runs into the woods. <laughs> and and I'm telling you right now, nobody would have believed it unless your dad had been there to witness it. And we get up there, and here comes Lynn and another guy in their four-wheelers. Where's the deer at, JT? 
And coaches, you're not going to believe this. You, you can hear your dad. You, it was the damnedest thing I've ever seen, man. You're not going to believe this. That deer, that deer's gone. And we're like, what? I thought you said you had him down. He goes, I'll be damned. JT had him down. Didn't take a step. And uh, so we started looking for fur and blood, and there's nothing anywhere. I, so I we, I we, we come to the conclusion that I must have concussed the deer. You scared it to death. <laughs> well, I don't know how that happens. If you hit his antlers and it, it gives him a concussion and knocks him out or what happened. But So he dropped just like nothing. Like then... dropped, like out cold, like a boxing glove hit him. And then uh, <laughs> that I apparently I shot high because there was no blood, no fur. We never got him. Never no, antler, no piece of antler, nothing. Nothing, nothing. So, yeah, yeah that was glad that, dad wasn't went backing you up with the rifle or he'd have fired one at it. I think Mickey Dean was on that hunting trip. You heard the story about Mickey Dean and the remote control for the TV late night when everybody's trying to go to sleep. No, I didn't. I, I remember mm. him out at the campfire when the game warden tried to check his license. He said, for what? Stand around a campfire? That <laughs> 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 I ain't hunting. Yeah, we're, uh, you know, your dad was on that trip. So we, uh, we're all, you know, it's late and everybody's getting up at like next morning at five. So let's go to bed. Right. So your dad's room is right his wall is right on the other side where that big screen tv set oh, lens yeah you remember this ryan yeah yeah so uh mickey dean's over there in the rocking chair and i'm laying on the couch kind of half asleep and mickey dean's got the remote right so um he starts flipping channels and all of a sudden you know one of those movies you shouldn't be watching shows up <laughs> on the tv <laughs> And uh, at this point, the TV's been a little, you know, a little loud for everybody trying to sleep. Yeah, and the Mickey door was going hunting the next day. He didn't well, care. Then the door opens up and your dad's sticking his head out the door. And as soon as Mickey Dean heard your dad rustling coming towards the door, he tossed me the remote. <laughs> and I didn't realize what he was doing. So I, I, I catch the remote. And at about the same time I got the remote in my hand, your dad's head sticks out. And he looks at me and goes, hey. And he sees the TV on, looks over there, and he sees. <laughs> and he looks at me, and I got the remote, and he goes, You got that look on your face. <laughs> what the hell are you watching, JT? I said, This is me. And he shuts the door. I didn't get to explain what happened. And Mickey Diggs is rolling over there laughing. <laughs> so, that was quick on Mickey's part. Oh, huge quick on Mickey's part. Yeah, that, that was not good. We had some great times down there. You know, Gerald Cates, all the guys, you know, he's – Yes. And uh, I bet Cates just, never – never. I bet he never messed with JT. Oh, he loved him some JT. I think they were the ones who put all them stickers on your car that time. You remember they had all these decals and You're talking about the Brown Hornet? The Brown, the brown Hornet. Hornet. Oh, the Brown He'd Hornet. He'd load a dough up in the trunk and go, you know? <laughs> Everybody had trucks and four-wheelers, and I'd come in and view it with Sabre 85. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald kept trying to get him to power break it. He'd say, JT, get in that mutant power break it one time. Hey, let me, ju- <laughs> let me just tell you something. You, you, you could put four grown deer in the trunk of that car. <laughs> Plenty of room. Plenty of room. <laughs> oh, it was good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good times. Uh, was, now, was, was JT the culprit one of the times? Because one of Kate's many jokes. Uh, I don't even know if you call it. Just, just, just Kate's being Kate's. Was JT the culprit when he kept pulling that? The, there they are. Yeah, they were waiting on all us. I don't know if you remember this, JT. We were getting there late. Me and Rick and Dad were coming, and everybody else was already there that Friday. 
And I come in, you come to me, you said, what's wrong with Gerald? I said, what do you mean? He goes, he got me. He said, I'd be sitting there. I said, he go, there they are. And you'd get up and come to the window looking for us. And we wouldn't even be out there. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you said, he's got me about 10 times doing that. He said, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Look, there they come. There JD jump <laughs> Gerald Case is hilarious. All right, listen, he ain't changed a bit. I see him all the time. He ain't changed a bit. We still hang out. We still Do you see him, really? Oh, I see him all the time. Yeah, we're still- <laughs> Look. And then next time I find a way for to get me a part of that. I, I, either we oh, go in be there great. or Please. Go I'd, I'd love to see him. We'll Remember that it. time he walked, he walked right in the kitchen. Everybody's getting ready for breakfast, getting all dressed up and everything. He comes walking in the kitchen, butt naked. <laughs> but, I'm like, what, what, what the, what's going on here? He goes, what's the matter? Looking for a reaction. <laughs> There's like 10 guys around here. What are you doing? He says, I just got out of bed. I'm, I'm about to get a biscuit and then get ready to go hunting. <laughs> You might want to put your underwear on. I mean, <laughs> he didn't care. No, does not. Oh, <laughs> he is he is one of a kind. I ain't lying. But yeah, uh, we'll get together. That'll be fun. We need to do all that. Right. All right. Greg, you may not have known too. Uh, there was a time when I got introduced to JT. Because, uh, you know, I wasn't full-time at the time. I was coming in and out. J- you know, JT's asking, who's this guy? Who's this IT guy, web guy? Who is this? And, uh, and so the more we got to we got to know each other and uh, he knew I, I dealt with it stuff. Uh, JT, uh, he kind of went through one day and said, Hey man, my computer's slow at home. He said, can you, can you come over and help me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll come see what it is. And so it was like, I don't, how many times they end up coming over JT at least four or five different yeah. times. It, it, it would, it would, you have we would go and clean that. it up. And basically it was, JT. he was trying to stretch a computer that was, it was about 10 years old. He was trying to get the most out of it and things. He was outdated. He would just, yeah. And I'd go and we'd delete stuff and go, well, you don't need this and delete this. And we'd get it back and it would just be, it just barely be, just be kicking along. And then it'd be about two or three weeks. Say, hey man, something's, something's happening again. It's slowed down again. Can you, I need you, whatever, whatever you did to it last time, just, just come on over and just, just do that again. And so I'd end up back yeah. over. He'd say, "You want breakfast? So you gonna get you donuts?" You kept patching it together, uh, and that was Michael. I kept I kept trying to make it work, and that was before Michael. I mean, Michael was young because Michael was real, just laid back. That was before really Michael kicked in and and and, and matured and, and turned into a good young man. And he, I remember JT just getting <laughs> on Michael because he'd just be typical teenager oh, yeah. boy. They're helpless. You know, teenager. he'd be getting up. You know, at Saturday at eleven o'clock, coming through. And JT's trying to trying to. What are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you going, what are you doing today? What are you doing with your life? And JT's on him. Huh. And I, I'm sitting there, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get the computer to work. Judy's coming through. Finally, and, you finally uh, tell him he's going it was, to upgrade. It was funny. I said, there he's going to get the software. Yeah, but, Mickey uh, Dan exposed it. <laughs> 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 nah, none of that. But we had good times there. I have to back at the studio when things were coming together. Did you ever get hung up? And because you know there was you, you had all the the morning shows. You you had your morning show, which was Rick and Bubba, or the morning show. I guess you couldn't have total control of it, but the program director for. It. But then you had other ones on on the floor uh, with Keener, Keener, Ken and Beaner, or Beaner and Ken. Uh, and some yeah, of no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a part of the other stations at all at the time. But but did did you ever get hung up in any of some of the crossfire? Because you know that there was everybody was on the same floor. You had you had and, and everybody had egos. 
uh, from the the Jock staff. I, I forget who was who was on Jocks then. Was was uh, was Barker? I think Barker had already came into Jocks at that point. No, oh, I think no. It, it goes back further than that. I think it was Matt yeah. Coulter and Scott. It was. Griffin. It was. It was Matt. Think, Scott. In fact, you know, you're right. Herb Wentz right. still around. Think, you're right. <laughs> and then you, and then I think John Ebb was on one corner. So you had everybody on the same floor. Did you ever get caught up in any of the crossfire or any any of the inner office dealings uh, uh, with 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 that whole floor? Everybody being on the same floor. You know, there was, uh, I mean, most of everybody up there was a great time to work with. I mean, you know, John Ed and, uh, you know, that, that, that group down there Legend. doing, uh, WAPI. I mean, they were, they were a fun group. Uh, the jocks guys, they were doing their own thing, having their own success and everything. And then, then you had, uh, was it still rock 99 at the time when they came in? Uh, and, I think so. And, the Mason Dixon rock show, yeah. and Tony Curry and those guys. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, there was a lot of people in that building that, uh, you know, in hindsight, yeah. all ended up doing really well. You're right. own, own individual career. In you know? Yeah. Um, but that, but the know, guys were shooting up pretty quick and, and they were dominating rate ratings, uh, in, in a lot. Yeah. Of, yeah. So I, I didn't know if there was some, some things that went on, maybe, uh, uh, any crossfire? Because I, I know that didn't I, I think Kerry talked about uh, wanting to throw somebody out the window. Rick wanting to throw know, somebody out the window. You know, so Speedy know was starting to You know, he was. Um, I I I tried to stay away from that. You know, I I didn't uh, get involved in it. There were there's some you know jealousies because of the money they were making and the ratings they had. Yeah, naturally, I'm sure there were. But I anytime that would come up, I I just kind of leave the conversation and and get out of it because I thought you know what. These guys have worked hard. I mean, Rick and Bubba were naturals, and Rick's probably one of the best yeah. storytellers. And Bubba, you know, the two of them is is chemistry yeah, you can't create or force or or make up. You know, it's it it clicked when it clicked for them early, and they knew they were onto something. So I said, uh, you know, anybody that questioned it, I always say, look, don't don't hate them because they're good. I mean, you know, they're successful. And I, we'd all like to make that kind of money and have those incredible ratings and that that monster following. But these guys did yeah. it and worked hard to do it. They didn't just, you know, lazy their way into everything. You know, they they worked, and uh, and people saw that. So I think that 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 they they gained respect from everybody that worked there as, as much as sometimes people thought. Well, dang, I wish we could have that. Yeah, that's just human that, nature, yeah. you know. Now, that particular studio, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you were so, there. I wasn't on the show at that time, but do you remember I nearly got fired from my other job because I was up there. We were going on a hunting trip, and they went behind my back and reached out to somebody at the power company, and they brought a bucket truck up there. And I went up outside the studio window. I nearly got yes. fired over it. The guy that sent the truck, he really nearly got fired. And, I mean, well, I got called in on the carpet, and I had nothing to do with it, nothing. They set the whole thing up. They, they reached out and I mean, they sent a brand new truck out there and, and here I am up outside the window. But I remember that was at that old studio. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That was, the, that was the uh, first studio that they broadcast out of uh, when we hired them. And that room, oh. I mean, that room wasn't any bigger than, you know, oh. a, a 10 by 10 room, you know, it was tiny, it tiny. Was tight. It was tight. I mean, yeah. room for about two people and let alone five or six that it were was, in there every but, day and then they know? built on the studio downstairs and it got but, uh, yeah. then they got the downstairs yeah. studio which is really nice and then, red velvet uh, lounge yeah that's right wow the red velvet lounge 
Did and that. now you know the and, 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 and at that point, and at that point, yeah, TV was Turner. involved. So then you had you had Christopher Columbus up there, and you had Turner South, and then you you had that you were trying to deal with in terms of uh, you had radio going, but you also had the Turner South stuff going. So uh, yeah, yeah, I remember uh, Chris Molesky, uh was was running that, and uh, yeah, that, that, those were some busy times with when Turner came involved. I mean, there, people from all over the South were all of a sudden going. Hey, I want a piece of this Rick and Bubba action too. I mean, these guys are on fire here. Let's get them on TV network. And I mean, it, it, I thought it went Turner well South for a while was some of the best stuff yeah. they did. I really, because they, they had a, a good push. The people in charge were really pushing it. And uh, we used to watch it when I was, before I went to work, yeah. my kids were getting ready to go to school. We'd watch it. And it, it was, it was awesome. Did, uh, did, did you ever get crossed and hung, hung up in anything of the TV stuff in, in terms of, uh, you know, cause they were trying to build a studio to make it, uh, formidable for both TV and radio. And I didn't know if any, any behind the scenes or with, uh, uh, management, you know, trying to make all that work and, and trying to balance that out to, to, to make, to make it both the radio and TV friendly or anything. I'll tell you <clears throat> with Carrie Lambert and, and me and Davis Hawkins, um, we, like I said, when these guys came in, they, they were already a well-greased machine. There was no need to try and train them up to get them to a better level of talent that was already done and naturally happening with this success that was going through the roof. So management really just kind of stood on the sidelines in awe and just, you know, enjoyed that ride with them watching the success come because, you know, when you got Turner Broadcasting coming in to, you know, manage their TV broadcasts, you don't want to get in the middle of all that. You just want to stand over and watch the magic happen. And it, it, it really was, it was, it was fun to be a part of that, watching all that come to be. Now, is it true that, that Carrie Lambert did have a bigger office than you? Than you? Is that true? Carrie said he had a bigger office than you did. Is that true? Carrie's uh, office. Uh, yes there was or no, JT. <laughs> yes or no? Was Carrie's office bigger? <laughs> so it was. So Carrie. So Carrie's was bigger than yours. Carrie. Well, he had a bigger position with me in the company. Okay. So he he had the corner. Yeah. So he was more <laughs> important than you, really. Essentially. Well, you know, I wouldn't do he had that. different responsibilities. <laughs> Not, yeah, that's it. That's right. That's right. Could carry fire <laughs> if it came down to it. <laughs> now, yes, now, yes. when uh, when the, you know the guys have been through some different times that when the contracts were coming up, uh, you were on the the end that when you that, that got them to Birmingham or helped get them to Birmingham. I mean, besides Bill, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, did, was there ever a time that that because you because you end up changing stations. Did you, you leave before they stations did. too? Yes. Uh, yes. Didn't you leave before they did? Um, that's a good question. <clears throat> I don't remember the exact timing of that, but I do remember when it was me and Carrie Lambert and Dave Rossi. Now, actually, Dave Rossi had already left, who was programming the X at the time, and Susan Groves had come in, <clears throat> and um, there's a new general manager that came in, and I forget his name, but he came in from. Arkansas somewhere. And uh he wanted Terry? to bring his Terry. What was Terry? Uh no, think. you're thinking about Terry Bowden, or not Terry Bowden, but Terry uh Bond. Terry Bond is who I was thinking of. Different that's a different guy. He There's was, a, he was this, actually this, Terry this Bond. You're thinking of he, it was after Terry, I think. I think the guy yes, was after Terry. That's right. Yeah, no, when, when Terry Bond was there, we renegotiated the contract uh a couple of times. And I remember Terry Bond and I had a conversation before everybody scattered. Um, he goes, you know, they, they, they want a million dollars a piece. 
And I said, all right, so what's the problem? He goes, we're in Birmingham, Alabama. We're not in New York City. I mean, they don't pay that kind of money in these size markets. And I said, well, how much money do they generate? Well, they, they generate about $8 million last year for, the, for just their morning show. I said, so, so you're going to pay them $2 million plus some side money for the rest of the staff. So let's call it 2.3 or whatever. Uh, you're going to net $5.7 million because of them. But if they leave, you won't net a dime out of them. So you, I don't understand <laughs> where the confusion mind. is. I mean, I mean, it really is. I mean, you can, you can pay them what they want and net out of this deal about $5 million. If they leave the morning show, whoever you get in there, you might still be able to sell ads and make about a million. So uh, you want five or you want at. one. What do you want? That's called leverage. So, I mean, that's, that's called leverage. Simple yeah. yeah. Dale Daniels. Was that the one that came in from Arkansas? Dale Daniels? Yes, that's the guy. That's uh, I thought I had that name. Yeah, he came in want to bring his own crew. So me and Carrie and Susan Gross uh, were out. And um, then I I jumped into some other things. You know, I, got, I started my own agency. Uh, I became a part of the ministry we talked about with Campus Life and Youth for Christ. And uh, and then I got back into radio with iHeart and uh, haven't looked back. I mean, it's it's been great. And uh, I'm doing doing well with it. To the the news talk station oh, yeah. that simulcasts in Tuscaloosa and Gadsden and Birmingham on WERC. So it's it's been good, and uh, I'll tell you, the management here's been great. And uh, oh. you know, Rick, Rick and Bubba are on a number yes, of different yes. stations as well. So. Greg, did you, did, no, you hear, did, did you hear the wolf? JT don't know about the wolf. When the wolf howls, JT, when the wolf howls, it, it means it's time to wrap it up. Well, I've really enjoyed this. And guys. you were, JT, you it's been well, too long, you know, because I, I just talking about the old good times. It's all coming back. We got to get together, and uh, and oh, all yeah, again, it, it, it's awesome. And you were great, like we knew you would be. And look, we didn't even we we didn't even touch on some of the stories that everybody knows about shooting the fake deer. Some of some of the, the more the brown horn <laughs> stories, uh, and I'm sure there's more that is is JT remembers that that. And maybe that legally he can <laughs> he can get to next time because we definitely got to get you back on again. I mean, you're look yeah. the people love you. Look, you're you're the people's champ, man. They love you, so we definitely want to get you back on, and uh, and we'll make sure we get the legal team involved so you you're clear to, to right. talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, I really enjoyed the podcast with you. I love you guys, and uh, yes, let's get together sooner than later for sure. Okay. Thanks, buddy. sounds good, JT. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, guys. See you, JT. Uh, and I, I almost did again. You almost did a sip. Okay, I, I'm good. I'm good to there. Right, pick it up. <clears throat> Three, <laughs> two, and look, you know, to go forward, we got to bring the co-pilot in. Uh, you probably know him best as the hard work <laughs> fire, silver tongue. I like what that What did I say? One. The blue. <laughs> I like that one better than any of it. <laughs> that on, best Ryan. one. Best one yet. <laughs> <laughs> Stacking pieces. <laughs> ah, three, two. So look, we can't get this show started until we get everybody in here, and let's get the co-pilot in here, the guy that helps drive this thing. Okay, you probably know him as the Bluetooth. <laughs> Son Bluetooth. Hardworking blue collar. Hardworking Bluetooth. Did you say Bluetooth? <laughs> Oh my god, the Bluetooth 
buck tooth, <laughs> corn fed, Bluetooth buck. Oh my God, the hard working. Three. Hard working blue collar <laughs> pole climbing. The hard working, the hard working pole climb. Two. What? What is it? Blue collar hard working pole climbing. Song. It's the hard working blue collar. I got to get past Bluetooth. Hard working blue collar. <laughs> the blue. The blue. <laughs> Please play these bloopers. You hear me? Oh my god! Hard working pole climbing. The hard working pole climbing. Blue collar. That's it. Gosh, Almighty. Uh, any I of those? I can't you, overthink. Any, it. There's no. You can do it in any order. It don't matter. <laughs> okay. Golly.